Chicago's considering six proposals that could transform downtown, especially along LaSalle Street. City officials are looking to convert some of the empty office space in the area into more than 1,000 apartment units, one-third of which they plan to set aside for affordable housing. Now, some plans include adding a grocer, rooftop amenities, and locally owned restaurants. Joining us now to discuss the plans in detail is... Melody Mercado. She's a Block Club Chicago reporter covering the Loop, West Loop, River North, and the Gold Coast. Hey, Melody. Welcome hey, back. Thank you for having me. So bring us back. Uh, this revitalization, as we've talked about here on Reset before, it's part of an initiative by Mayor Lightfoot. What is she trying to accomplish exactly? So the goal is to create, uh, to sort of reimagine and revitalize the LaSalle Financial District. The idea is that there's a lot of vacant office space down there. And with the sale of the Thompson Center to Google and the idea that all of these hopefully Google employees will come to live downtown, let's make more housing for them. Let's make a a, a sort of a residential space for them. And while we're at it, let's also try to add affordable housing to it. Yeah. So did people stop visiting as much because of the pandemic or was this an issue before? So a lot of the idea is that um, a lot of companies changed the way that they were, that, that they thought about the workplace. A lot of people were working from home. And so a lot of these employers stopped leasing office space or mm-hmm. there was this new idea, not new idea, but started using more like co-working space where we see some of those spaces utilized more than like traditional office space. And when you look down LaSalle Street in the financial district, you have these huge beautiful buildings that were made to hold all of these workers that have just been really vacant since 2020. Mm-hmm. How much funding is the mayor setting aside for all of this? So it's it's unclear how much funding will be given out, um, but the TIF money that will eventually be given to up to three proposals mm-hmm. um, is coming from the LaSalle Central TIF District. And at the end of 2021, that had a balance of $197 million. Wow. Um, 2022 numbers not available yet, but that's what they're working with. So what restrictions does Mayor Lightfoot have in place for for bidders that want this contract? So a lot of the guidelines, uh, specific guidelines that was a requirement for the proposals was that the housing had to have all housing included in the proposals, 30 percent of that of the total had to be set aside for affordable housing and affordable housing, meaning 60 percent of of the median area income. Um, Other aspects of that. they also asked developers to include um, like areas for like hanging out, like gro- possible grocery stores, local businesses in an effort to make this more residential than hard, concrete, more business like. Do you have any more numbers on how this all translates when it comes to rent? Like what's rent going to cost? So. I, no idea yet, yeah. right? Um, but we do know that again, looking back at the like the sixty percent of the area's medium income for affordable housing, that means that for one person, the threshold is forty three thousand eight hundred dollars. For a family of four, it's about sixty three thousand dollars. That's what we're working with currently. Not a lot of the proposals had rents available, um, you know, during during the presentation. But I'm sure that 
as we get further along in the process, we'll start to hear more of like what those rents will look like. So why don't we take a second here and dig into some of these proposals that are on the table. So remind us of what part of downtown th- these proposals are, are focused on. So the main just LaSalle or it's really just a a strip along LaSalle. Um, The guidelines, if I'm remembering correctly, is they have to be either touching the main LaSalle street or within the block that touches LaSalle. Um, And we're sort of kind of looking at the area um, uh, that starts along LaSalle kind of near City Hall and then going south, um, pretty much kind of to the river. Yeah. And we've got six plans being considered. So describe some of them. What, what do we know about the, the main ideas here being proposed? So um, I'll touch upon two proposals specifically. Um, 135 North LaSalle. It is huge. Um, the project is the most expensive. Uh, in total, it'd be $258 million. They're asking for $115 million in TIF funding. But if people know 135 North LaSalle, it's huge. It has like this one tall center pillar with sort of four other like square like pillars surrounding the four corners. Mm -hmm. The developer wants to turn the rooftops of those four pillars into open terrace green space. They also want to include a fresh market grocer in that um, and and possibly some other retail options. Um, That's 40 40,000 square feet of space being turned into potentially residential units. I believe it's 430 units, wow. 30% of that being affordable. The other, uh, another um, proposal I want to touch, touch on is 105 West Adams. Um, there's two proposals for that, but one of them specifically um, would would make about 250 apartments and 75% of those apartments, it would be affordable. It's the highest affordability rate amongst all of the proposals. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is it's more uh, a, a more community-minded with community space, space for an after-school program. Um, it would also have uh, um, workspaces, mm-hmm. um, gym space, rooftop, all of those nice things, fresh market, grocer, and a local coffee shop. So as you mentioned, these two in particular, apartment units, restaurants, workspaces, gyms, that's a lot. It's a lot. Do you think those elements are enough, though? And, and does it get to what the mayor's office is overall looking for, which is this goal of attracting folks back to the city? I, I think it can if it if it actually uh, gets followed through with, makes it to the finish line. These are a lot of amenities that developers are proposing. Um, for example, 111 Monroe, there, uh, the idea is to, there's a hotel element included in that, wouldn't use TIF funding to, to build that, mm-hmm. but there's apartments included and they want to revitalize the rooftop, bring back the old Monroe Club. Um, mm. th- it, it would bring... Not only residents, but people patronizing the area for either the hotels or the local businesses that they're trying to bring with these proposals, again, if it makes it to the finish line. I see. And so we're clear, why is TIF money involved here? Is is it because of the uh, requirement for affordable housing? Part of that, it's also to create an incentive for these developers to even want to convert these buildings. It's very expensive. Um Five of the six proposals are considered landmark buildings, and so they qualify for other types of subsidies. But developers have said that, you know, the TIF funding is a big chunk of, you know, how they're going to pay for this. But there's other exemptions um, that uh, have to do with like affordable housing um, and 
uh, like tax exempt housing bonds and they have third party investors. But the TIF element is definitely like big dollar signs. For yeah. Them. And there are, I mean, of course, a few more that we can talk about. There's a plan for 208 uh, LaSalle Street. This one's proposed by a group called Prime Capri Interests, LLC. Uh, it sounds like it costs less than some of the previous plans you've, you've mentioned. Anything else we need to know about that proposal, Melody? So um, this proposal is also uh, by Prime Complete Interest LLC. It's important to note that they're also renovating the Thompson Center. Um, okay. When, so they're involved in the hmm. big Google deal. And so they are also throwing their hats in the ring to say, hey, we're bringing workers. We also want to be involved in helping revitalize the area um, on the development side um, at, at – at 208 South LaSalle, that would be 200 quote unquote upscale apartments. Again, 30 of those, uh, 30% of those affordable. This one's interesting because this goes would go in between two hotels that currently in, exist in the building. There's a there's a JW Marriott Hotel on the lower levels, mm-hmm. and then the LaSalle Hotel is on the upper levels, and then the residential would kind of be sandwiched right in the middle. I see. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in. We're talking with Block Club Chicago reporter Melody Mercado, and we're discussing the plans that Chicago officials are considering to revitalize the city's downtown, especially along LaSalle Street. So as we talked about, Melody, the the mayor is requiring 30 percent of this housing in the plans here to be affordable. What about affordable grocers, affordable restaurants? Because my immediate thought is, what is the point of living in affordable housing if nothing that is within walking distance is in your price range. Yeah, that's that's an excellent has, question. Has that that, that's the up? question. And <laughs> those are discussions that haven't necessarily made it across the finish line yet. Um, we know that. Um, I mean, even parking. Like yes. This, everything's expensive. Everything is expensive. And. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, only one of the six proposals actually has parking included in it, and it would be underground parking. Mm. Um, and so that's something to consider as well. But also there has been those conversations from business leaders asking, you know, will the rents be affordable? Um, you know, the city did just pass a small business improvement fund to give out money for um, small businesses to come and open up business uh, to come and open up businesses on LaSalle Street. Yeah. But again, people have pointed out to me that that money can only be used to make permanent improvements in these storefronts. So the question is, well, what about the rent aspect? Um, how are we going to keep these small mom and pop shops that we want on LaSalle Street, how are we going to keep them there? Are there other incentives that will be available? And those questions haven't been answered yet. Yeah. What about, have you heard anything from, you know, friends or family or just from from folks as you're doing this reporting about what exactly they're looking for that would actually draw them to move downtown? I, I think the idea is that people want to be able to walk to where they work. And mm. I, you know, Part of this proposal, part of this um, revitalization plan, um, sort of relies on the the renovation of the Thompson Center and those workers coming downtown. Um, yeah, that's sort of the whole idea behind it. But there's also the idea that people that don't work at Google that are making big tech money might also want to live downtown. And how can we make downtown more viable for them? That's sort of what the whole concept is. Feel more is. welcoming. Right. Yeah. So the plans so far, I mean, they sound interesting, but I wonder if there's a chance that this initiative could be cut down once Chicagoans elect a new mayor in April. 
Right. That's that's another question that's being asked. Um, you know, I I think that how uh, many Lightfoot initiatives will remain? Right. Right. And, you know, that that's uh, that's something that I've been having conversations with with, uh, you know, local area aldermen. You know, an example I'll use um, initially Alderman Walter Burnett of the 27th Ward, which is in the West Loop. Um, he initially was saying he wanted Lightfoot to stay in office. And part of that was he expressed concern about will um, Invest Southwest be able to keep on going? Will everything that's been started, and he talked about a little bit about, you know, revitalize LaSalle, will that be able to continue moving forward if we have a new mayor? Yeah. And now we will have a new mayor, and that's the million-dollar question. That is the million-dollar question. Will that be able to remain after this person is elected and takes office next year? Um, Well, speaking of, you know, changing the face of downtown, Melody, Chicagoans won't see the taste of Chicago at Grant Park this summer. Uh, this is to make way for race cars. Can you just update us on what's happening there? Yes. So NASCAR. Yeah. So many updates right before I Jeez. got in. <laughs> um, so this was a, a result of a Freedom of Information Act. We found out that, you know, initially last summer that it, it was being told we were being told um, that the the setup teardown and, of NASCAR with the event dates included, would be about two weeks. Our Freedom of Information Act showed that including setup, teardown, and the event, it's going to be 41 days in Grant Park. And I would like to preface that by saying we not all of Grant Park will be closed during those 41 days, oh, okay. but there is staging that requires parts of the park to be closed off for them to load in equipment, start building the track, all of these things. Um, and so it's going to take... Much longer time what than a big what we production. thought. <laughs> <laughs> have, have park district officials said where the taste is going to happen this year? So um, we, I was just tuning in to a, to a um, committee meeting, and um, Alderman, you know, that was supposed to be voted on today, um, supposed to be passed through, um, but Alderman Riley requested that um, that vote be pulled, uh, and that we. You know, city council sits on it. Um, and he uh, actually told reporters, told the Daily Line that he requested that the committee held the vote today after learning last night that the city planned to host the Taste of Chicago um, at Polk Bro- Bros Park, just west of Navy Pier, okay. um, instead of at Grant Park because NASCAR will be happening during that weekend when usually the taste happens. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, we'll leave it there. Melody Mercado is a Block Club Chicago reporter covering the Loop, West Loop, River North, and the Gold Coast. You can find her article with more details on those proposed plans for LaSalle Street at blockclubchicago.com. Thank you, Melody. Thanks for having me. Back now with more Reset, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Before the break, we heard about potential developments that could be coming to LaSalle Street in the Loop. It's part of a larger effort from the Lightfoot administration to bring life back to downtown. Chicago and cities across the country have seen their centers dwindle over the last decade. And here in Chicago, that looks like empty storefronts on Magnificent Mile and State Street and fewer workers commuting to office buildings downtown. Sure, COVID has had a serious impact, but that is not the whole story here. Even prior to the pandemic, there were signs that metro centers were on the decline. So here to tell us more about some potential solutions is Emily Talen, professor of urbanism at the University of Chicago. Great to have you on, Professor. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Also with us is Norm Van Eden Petersman, member advocate at Strong Towns. They're a nonprofit advocating for urban development for towns and cities of all sizes. Welcome to Reset, Norm. Thank you so much, Sasha. A reminder, we are opening the phones to you. Would you like to see anything special happen in the loop? What would you like to see? Are there changes that would bring you downtown more often or even make you want to live there? Give us a call now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, that number is 866-915-WBEZ. And before we get started, I just want to make a quick correction here. Uh, Melody Mercado from Block Club Chicago was on with us just a moment ago talking about the revitalization of LaSalle Street. I want to just be clear that you can find her article online at blockclub.org. All right, let's get started here, Professor. Talk about how downtowns are doing. Um, I mean, it, it, how they're doing seems partly to depend on who you ask. You'll, you'll read one story and it'll talk about how American downtowns are dying then you'll pick up another story and it'll discuss, you know, the doom and gloom being overblown. So what's your view on the current state of, of many downtowns across the country? Well, I guess I'm opting more for the doom and gloom side, <laughs> but um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much vacancy. There's been just a huge um, plummet in, in use of retail space. I mean, you could see it walking down Michigan Ave, walking down state street, walking down LaSalle. It's the same story. Um, I will say that it was happening already before COVID came on. So it's, it's a longer trajectory, the retail part of it. Um, and so, but I think people are just, you know, they're naturally wanting to find some silver lining here. And I, and I think that there is, um, as we talk about having downtowns, um, develop more kinds of uses, you know, be more, um, not so much a monoculture, not so much all office space and retail, but getting some housing in there. So, so maybe that's how people are feeling positive, but definitely the numbers are showing that every, almost every downtown um, has been struggling for sure. Yeah. Norman, in the previous segment, we, we talked about several proposals that would convert existing office space into residential housing. Does that seem like the right way forward? I would say that the, the general concept of doing that and allowing for that mix of different types of uses through adaptive reuse of existing buildings is very common. We see that with industrial lofts, for example, or industrial buildings turned into lofts. Um, but the particulars of this proposal are quite staggering. Uh, just the amount of money that is being proposed in order to do these types of conversions. Uh, I did the simple math on the one for 135 North LaSalle Street. And uh, the cost to do that would be over $2,875 per square foot when new construction of new structures is around 500 to 600, maybe $700 uh, per square foot. And so the question is, why, why spend so much on these major projects when there's a lot more smaller things that could be done uh, within the, the wheelhouse of the city? Yeah. Emily, have we seen this tactic work in other cities? Uh, I think so. Um, Vancouver um, in British Columbia is one that's often um, held up as being exa an example of government getting involved in trying to stimulate the right kinds of uses and having a balance of office, commercial and housing. 
Um, so there are success stories for sure, but I, I definitely take um, Norm's point about the cost of this. You know, it's, it's a zero sum game. If you're spending so many millions using TIF money, um, you know, that is money that's not being spent elsewhere, obviously. So, you know, you've got you've to balance it all out. A reminder, our phones are open to you. Tell us, what would you like to see happen in the loop? Are there changes that would bring you downtown more often or even make you want to move? You can call us now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, that number is 866-915-WBEZ. Uh, we did get a call from Bo in Gage Park who couldn't stay on the line but left us this comment. Uh, they said uh, they viewed downtown as an aspirational area in the city. Uh, they said you have to work really hard to live there and it's motivational and they want it to stay that way. What are your thoughts, Norm? Does that sound like something you've heard? That's an interesting way of putting it because I think it recognizes the real value that a downtown has for connecting people together and when it's vibrant, when there's a lot of activity, when people are, are mixing and mingling, uh, that you get a lot of really beneficial social engagements and opportunities. Uh, people that live near downtown, for example, with work engagements, uh, if they live nearby, they're able to attend those things rather than having to go out for an hour commute or things like that. And so there can be a lot of benefits to it. The challenge is, is that the aspirations don't provide the dollars and cents needed to keep small shops open, uh, to allow the, the little organisms that are needed to thrive within such a place like that. And one of the suggestions that, that would emerge is to say, is there any way that some of the existing tenants can have some more noisy neighbors? Uh, can there be uh, the front lobby uh, of different places, maybe not the lobby, but, but adjacent structures uh, right around there adapted so that way there's a new entrance off of the street? I did a quick survey of uh, on Google Street View just to see what it looks like on the street. And you go long stretches before you encounter a new place to spend a dollar. And the challenge with that is someone that is just looking to have a good time is going to avoid that street. Uh, there's no activity. There's no hustle and bustle. There's nobody that's you know, calling out, leaning out their storefront, being like, hey, come on in. Um, and, and that actually creates that feeling that the, the downtown or that area in particular is more soulless. Uh, banks give a very austere sort of, you know, reserved uh, impression, and mm -hmm. that's what, how they want their advertising to be conveyed in the way that they build their structures. Uh, but you need those, those other types of uses that are more lively, more friendly, more noisy, and, and in the best sort of ways create something that the person who aspires to live downtown is not aspiring to live in sort of a, a sleek, gleaming sort of mausoleum, yeah. but is instead choosing to live within a city. Uh, Professor Taylor, the, the proposals for LaSalle Street in, involve developers receiving hundreds of millions of dollars from the city to, to do these office conversions. Should the city be subsidizing these sorts of commercial developments? Oh, boy. Um, well, that's I think it's a hard call. I really do. I, I, I can see both sides. Um, some of these buildings are really expensive to renovate because we don't want to build new. We want to keep what we have existing. They're part of our iconic, um, you know, downtown Chicago. They're powerful symbols of the city. They build identity. Um, so, so we want to, and there's the historic preservation aspect of this. We want to keep our um, original buildings as much as we can, but you know, I, it is, a huge amount of money. And um, I, I can just hear the critics coming out of the woodwork about 
the TIF money and why isn't it going to schools and um, why aren't we using it in to um, reinvigorate blighted areas and redevelop abandoned property? Mm -hmm. And you could say that LaSalle Street is abandoned property, so it's, it's justified, but I think it's a hard call. Let's jump to the phones. Phoebe in Pullman is waiting on the line. Hey, Phoebe, welcome to Reset. Hi. So I love downtown. I love visiting downtown, but I like living in a community. Chicago is a city of neighborhoods, and I like knowing who my neighbors are and having an easy place to walk a dog. And, you know, I'm a recent college graduate. In 10 years, when I want to have kids in a vegetable garden, there's going to be even less that would compel me to move downtown. Mm. So for my sort of individual, it would take a really thoughtful kind of building that's focusing on getting to know neighbors and having spaces where you can just be relaxed that aren't focused on tourism and shopping. And heck, there's like no neighborhood bars downtown. <laughs> Good points, Phoebe. Thanks so much for, for calling. Uh, Norm, I mean, Phoebe says Chicago's a city of neighborhoods, which it is. And she says, how can you meet your neighbors downtown? Good question, right? It, it's a fantastic question because it, it counters the way that we've approached a lot of our city design for so long, which is single-use zoning. Uh, our other guests use the idea of monocultures and things like that. Uh, it is interesting, though, that so many of these features can be incorporated into thoughtful redesigns, uh, improvements. Think even of what the tech giants have done. Now, this is a bit out, or a bit extreme, but what they've done with their workplaces to suddenly make them fun. And one of the critiques is that employees almost feel obliged to stay in these like lovely spaces because the moment they step out of them, they feel like, oh, there isn't that same sort of vibe, that same sort of feel uh, to it. Um, the, the desire to have access to green spaces, I think it's a real big thing that you see for, I live just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, and, and they've been very deliberate in setting aside key parcels of land so people can get their, their certain amount of daylight hours in the sun or in the rain most commonly, as we're experiencing here. But another key element of it is that um, building owners can take on more responsibility to foster development of community within, within their structures. Uh, we have different contests and, and uh, campaigns in Vancouver to encourage that type of social fabric uh, being uh, weaved together. And that can sometimes look like just small incentives for neighbors uh, or people on a block, uh, pardon me, not on a block, on a, on a floor, uh, to give them you know, money for pizza and just make it so that it becomes more intentional. Yeah. Um, but when people want to make the choice downtown versus out in the suburbs, uh, we, we don't want to make that a hard, fast, or a hard decision that they have to pick one or the other. There can be times where in different seasons of life, people settle into life within a city. And actually, over time, if they can find a place and find connections, they feel like they can really belong there. Yeah. Let's jump back to the phones. Here's Thomas in Pilsen. Hey, Thomas. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. What are your um, thoughts? So Chicago has some wonderful parks, but the fact is it's too cold to use them like four months out of the year. So I would like to see more indoor public space. Um, off the top of my head, the only things that I can really think of are Harold Washington Library and the Chicago Cultural Center. Um, so I'd just like to see more public space that we can use all year round so that people don't just hibernate during the winter. So you would like to see more of those uh, public spaces downtown? Yeah. Well, everywhere, really, but downtown. But downtown. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate that. Uh, Professor, 
An urban planning idea that's uh, been getting a lot of buzz recently is this 15-minute city or, or neighborhood where essential services and, and stores are all within a 15-minute walk for residents. What are your thoughts on that idea and its feasibility? Oh, that's that's like urban planning's, you know, 101 bread yeah. and butter. I mean, we've been talking about that for a long time and that's what we're working toward. We're working toward cities where you can walk and take transit and ride your bike and and not be car dependent. That is absolutely um, the mantra of urban planning, urban design right now. But just getting back to that caller, I think he makes a really good point, which is about, you know, with this um, implosion of downtown, um, you know, we need to rethink how space is used and we need creative formats that are responding to, you know, more people uh, living downtown, hybrid work kind of stuff. And there's some really cool ideas out there with, you know, commercial spaces, having dog runs and, you know, um, really figuring out what it is people need and how we can have more creative types of public space in our downtowns to activate them. And I think Chicago really needs to think about that. Things like shutting down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's squeeze in one more caller. Here's Fred in Lincoln Park. Hey, Fred. Hey, thanks for having me on. Sure. What are your thoughts about living downtown? Do you live downtown? Uh, so I actually just moved out of downtown. I was living downtown for a couple years. Um, and I grew up on the deep north side, decided I tried living downtown. And honestly, it, it just doesn't work as it is currently. Groceries are rather difficult to find. Anything after 5 p.m., it, it just kind of shuts down and becomes a very empty area and not a very nice place to walk around by yourself if um, if you're a smaller person. And it just, it, in order to make all these plans work, there just needs to be a revitalization of that downtown corridor, particularly once the office workers have gone home from the office. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Fred. Appreciate your thoughts. I think a lot of people would agree. Um, our discussions, Norm, about urban renewal, they, they can seem distant and that, you know, they're happening at the government in the policy level. But part of what your group, Strong Towns, does is it educates and organizes residents. So real quick here before we, we let you go, how can individuals become part of making the city or town they want to live in? It begins in the building that you're in. So if you share a building with other people, uh, it means walking around and chatting with people, what are the struggles that they see in their day-to-day life? What are the things that stand as barriers to them? And then trying to, even at the at, just at the house level or the building level, then out to the block level to ask the question, like, what can we do about that? And if that is requesting that, you know, a city staffer come along and, you know, take a look at an intersection that is improperly designed, or if it is, you know, we know that people are always having to stand waiting for a bus, let's build a temporary bus uh, uh, seating for them. Uh, let's do those small things and begin to do those things as an accumulation of, of small actions that begin to make a big difference. Uh, creating places not by inviting others in to you know, do big transformative uh, projects, but instead saying, like, what could we do? What could we do here to really address uh, where people are struggling? Sometimes it involves putting in your own money a little bit. It yeah. uh, goes a long ways when you're doing those small things Uh, And then the other part of it is trying to identify ways to be playful, uh, ways to be engaging in in the place where you live because you love the place that you live. If you have to ask the question, you know, what what really frustrates me about this city? Um, You know, if the place shuts down after 5 p.m., then asking the question is, is there somebody that I know that's like a startup entrepreneur? Could I encourage them in some way to do a night shift in a coffee shop? 
that the, the coffee shop owner basically allows a second crew to come in and do a night shift there and create just a small little hub where people realize, oh, there's something more going on here. I love cities that have nightmares. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, that's on the bigger side, on the bureaucratic side. Yeah. Have somebody whose job it is to figure out how do we get people into these places. Uh, the second shift uh, that is so uh, critical to helping downtowns become vibrant places. That's Norm Van Eden, Petersman, member advocate at Strong Towns, and Emily Talen, professor of urbanism at the University of Chicago. Thank you both.